0: Morning, church. Good to see you guys again. Have a good week. Survive the rainstorms and the hailstorms. We didn't get the snowstorm, though, so that's, I don't know. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm waiting for the sunstorm. Oh, please, Lord. Oh, it's good. Um, so last week we finished... Uh, Sermon series on, uh, small sermon series on spiritual senses, and and this week we begin another short uh, series on Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, basically, want to take some time to look at uh, the kingdom of God, and I think there's a tendency maybe for some of us to uh, have a lack of understanding of what is the kingdom of God. And uh, with that, a, a um, sometimes we have a, a proper understanding, but how we actually encounter or actually live out uh, our understanding of the kingdom of God sometimes is where the issue is. And so I want to spend some, a few weeks here. I, I think we've we'll spent three or maybe four weeks on the kingdom of God, and then we jump into Easter. And so that's going to be great. Super excited about that. And, uh, but, uh but I want to start with, you know, the passage that Laura mentioned uh, earlier, Matthew 6, 10, right? This is uh, the Lord's prayer, right? Jesus gives us how to pray, right? And uh, the second uh, verse in that is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, this is a great prayer, and it's a prayer that, you know, not that we have to pray by rote every day or, you know, over and over again or whatever, although some may do that. Uh, it's uh, it's a, a great prayer as, in, in essence as a, a way to kind of set up, you know, maybe some different things that we should be praying about on a regular basis at the very least. Uh, but this uh, portion of the prayer, I think, is important uh, because we need to understand that this is not just some uh, eschatological prayer, about hope for the future kingdom of God to come. Oftentimes, we can consider or think about the kingdom of God, and we think that it's a future reality that we're waiting for, that someday it'll come, someday it'll it'll get here, and, and then that'll be a great day. And so we enter into prayer by saying, God, we can't wait for that day when your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But I think that's a wrong perspective of the kingdom of God because this portion of the prayer is not just an eschatological prayer. It's also a contemporary prayer. It's actually a call to action. We're not just praying that God would have his way on earth. We're praying that he would help us to join him in that. We have to understand that the kingdom of God was inaugurated at the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's when it began, 2,000-some years ago now. It's not some future hope. It is a future hope, don't get me wrong. The fullness of the kingdom of God is to come But the kingdom of God is here and now. Even Jesus, when he was on earth, as he was walking among his people and his disciples and among uh, different folks, he would over and over again say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. His point was, it's not sometime 2,000 plus years down the road coming, but it's here now. We have to understand that on the cross, Jesus won the battle. He won the war against sin and death. And because he won the war, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is reigning right now. He is ruling the world. Everything is at his foot, right? Everything is under his feet. He is now in charge. He is in control. It is at the cross that sin and death we're defeated. It was at the cross where Satan's power was removed. It was also at the cross where free will was restored. You know, before Jesus' death and, uh, death and resurrection, we were all stuck in our sin. We had no hope of being able to escape the chains of sin in our life and the death that was going to result uh, uh, from that. We had no hope. There was no way for us to get out of that. We were we were stuck. We were totally changed. The the prison doors were locked, chained, and there was no way for us to get out. But then Jesus came and died and resurrected. And on that resurrection moment, that not only the curtain was ripped from top to bottom, showing that He was now with us, but also the chains of sin and death fell off of all of our feet. Free will was restored in that moment. All of a sudden, every person in the planet, every person who who, who was living at that time and who will live into the future, all of a sudden had the choice, once again, to choose whom they would serve. An understanding of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, began on resurrection day, but it is continuing to move forward throughout the world. That the war is over, the chains have been broken, but there are too many people in the world that don't realize it. They don't know that they have a choice. They don't know that they can, that the, 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 the sin, they don't have to do that anymore. They have to live that lifestyle. They don't know that death doesn't have to be their end, right? They don't know that there's more. They did not know that there's life. And so we who are in his kingdom are called to join Jesus and bringing his kingdom on earth now. Not in its fullness. That will come in the future but much more than we realize even now. The reality is, is that there is a new king in charge of all of humanity, Jesus Christ. And he offers life. He offers freedom. He he offers wholeness. And so the kingdom of God coming is about that message being proclaimed to all of the world. That message being proclaimed to every individual on the planet. Everyone who lives and breathes. Everyone who is chained, choosing to remain chained, choosing to remain in the gate, in the prison. (laughs) And it's since that day that Jesus has been working exactly to do that. We see passages like, uh, you know, Second Peter 3, 9, right? This reality that he's not slow, right? And fulfilling his promises. You know, those of us who are in the kingdom are like, come on, God, would you hurry up and you know, finish this thing? Would you come back and finish? Can we want the fullness of the kingdom now? they like, whoa, 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 I'm not slow. I'm compassionate. I love all of the people that I've created. And I desperately want them to be in my kingdom to choose my reign. Jesus is constantly pursuing those who are stuck in that old world thinking, thinking that they have no hope, thinking that they just have to continue to deal with life as it is, thinking that death is indeed going to be their end. Jesus is continuing to pursue every individual, not just every nation, every individual, to offer them life and freedom and healing. And for us, as people of the kingdom, that is our task as well. I've said it many times, right? If we're going to be, if we bowed our knee to Jesus as Lord right and if we're going to worship Jesus then we're going to follow Jesus wherever he goes and if we're going to follow Jesus where does he go he goes to the lost you know we so often i think you know have this kind of perspective they're like god f- help me help me fix me take care of me and he's like look at look at look. you already have it you already have all that. I've already blessed you. You're in my kingdom. Do you realize the little things that you're dealing with right now, like this light in momentary trouble, like it doesn't matter because eternity is coming. Eventually, it'll be all gone, and you have all eternity to celebrate and, and have a good time and not have to deal with sin or, or struggle or, or, or pain or suffering. All that's going to be gone. Yeah, but, but do you realize, like, I need to find more lost people. There's more people that don't even have a taste of what you've got yet. If we're going to worship Jesus, if he is truly Lord of our life, then we need to be following him. And what is Jesus doing? He is pursuing the people who aren't in his kingdom yet to reveal life and light in those dark places. We are called to join Jesus, right? Come and follow me. It's not just to the disciples. It's for all of us. Come follow me to join Jesus in bringing his kingdom, to bring news of this new king who's ruling, to offer new life and freedom for captives, to pursue the hurting, the despairing, and the dying. There are so many who are lost. We read this passage, but we need to read it again. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel and the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. There are so many who are lost, so many who are despairing, so many who are hurting, so many who are dying, so many who are continuing to be chained to their sin, continuing to despair about death. There's so many. The harvest is so ripe. We can too often look at this passage and think, well, ripe means that they're you know, ready to receive Christ right now. No, ripe is, is the reality that there's so many out there that need to be picked off the vine. There's so many who need to know Jesus and accept him, and they're never going to know him. They're never going to accept him unless we join Jesus in going to them. There are so many hurting, despairing, dying people in our world Can you see them? Are you aware? Current statistics say that the world population is about eight billion. Also tell us that about 2.4 billion are Christian. Half of those being Catholic. That means that there's 6 billion people on the planet that have yet to enter in the kingdom of God. In the U.S., there's 333 million population, approximately. 216 million are Christian, 20% Catholic. That means that there's 120 million in our nation alone who don't know Jesus. Let's narrow it down a little bit further. California. In California, there are 39 million people. 24.5 million are Christians. 28% of the 24.5 million are Catholic which means that there's 15 million in California who don't know Jesus. The harvest is ripe. Just because we're a Christian nation, and yeah, our percentages are higher than the global percentages, doesn't mean that there are no lost people around us. 15 million just in our state. 15 million who don't know Jesus 120 in our nation, 6 billion around the globe. The harvest is ripe. Can you see it? Do you even know one of the 15 million in California who don't know Jesus? This passage points out that the workers are few. Harvest is ripe. we got 6 billion around the globe but the workers are few. Do you understand? We're the workers. This is not some like, you know, kind of mystery person out there, worker. We can go hire and kind of do that. No, no, we're the workers. And I think the, the workers are fewer than actually the number of workers that are workers, <laughs> because there's too many of us that don't see ourselves as the workers. There's too many of us that look at this, well, well that, that's the That's missionaries. You know, that, that's the, those who are gifted with evangelism. They, they need to go, wow, they're, they're, the, they're the workers. Yeah, we need to pray for more people to be called out and to go. No, 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 understand this. If you are in the kingdom of God, if Jesus is Lord of your life, then you're joining Jesus in his mission. What is his mission? It is to seek and to save the lost. And that means every one of us are part of the workers who are few to go out and save these six billion people across the globe, 120 million across our nation, 15 million just across our state. The next verse uh, after Matthew 9, 35 to 38 is chapter 10. So there's a chapter break, but the, the story continues. And I just want to read the next verse. Because this is a reality that we are the workers, but we are not alone and we're not ill-equipped. 10 verse 1 of Matthew. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And this is not just for the disciples. This is all of the workers in God's kingdom. He has given us authority because we are with Jesus right? We are his. We are his people. We have the authority to go and to proclaim the truth of Jesus, to reveal that there is a new king in town, but also to bring healing, to drive out demons, to bring freedom into people's lives. If we are going to be workers, if we're going to join Jesus in the work that needs to be done, we have to, first of all, have a compassion for the lost. And here, I think, is uh, the reality of too many, especially in America, who just don't have a compassion for the lost. We just don't care enough. Some of us, it's just a reality. We just don't know that many who don't know Jesus. Some of us just think, well, you know, I mean, I'm saved, so it's okay. Some of us are just distracted by life. Some of us are just busy. We got a lot of things going on. Some of us are just self-absorbed. To be honest, my compassion for the lost was pretty weak for most of my life as a Christian. It's not that I never led anybody to Christ or was a part of you know bringing somebody to Christ. But I really didn't, it wasn't like a focal point of my life. Over the last five years, I feel like the Lord's been driving this deeper and deeper into my heart. And this is what I've discovered, is a couple of years ago, the Lord began to just inspire me and motivate me to start praying for the lost. And praying that I would be able to be a part of what he's doing in building his kingdom. And that, that I wouldn't even further, that our church, that this church would be able to be a part Of what he's doing in reaping that harvest and it's been amazing to see what I think God is doing in that how he's changed me but I think how he's changed our church those of you've been around a while I I think you know that it's different today than it was a couple years ago and it's not because of me it's because of him it's because he's motivating us and guiding and directing us and leading us to different places As workers, we need to have compassion for the lost. And if you don't have compassion for the lost, if you don't know lost people, if you're not motivated to share the love of Jesus with the lost people, then you need to start praying for the lost and ask Holy Spirit to come and give you a heart for those who don't know Jesus. But us workers, we also have to do something. We have to be actively involved in bringing his kingdom. And this is a reality too. I think too often we see the dark places in our world and we go, oh, I don't want to go there. That's a scary dark place. And so I'm going to go over here to my nice lighted you know, room, my lighted house, my lighted neighborhood where I don't have to, you know, I don't have, to have that dark stuff come and, and taint me in some way. Church, we've got to stop living this way if there's any in this room who are living this, we are called to go into the darkness and bring light. Jesus is not satisfied with there being dark places in his creation. He is always pursuing the dark places. And so we as individual believers need to be following him into that dark place. It's when you see pain When you see suffering, when you see despair, when you see sorrow, when you see death, it is those things that we have to step into. Those are the dark places where people are despairing and they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what's happening and they're fearful and they're needing help. They're needing an answer. They're needing someone to come in and bring light into their darkness. Are you ready? Are you doing it? This is where Jesus is at. He's always working in the dark places. The Pharisees got all ticked off about it all the time. What are you doing hanging out with sinners? It's a dark place. It's not the healthy, it's, it's not the people who are in the kingdom of God that I need to save. It's those who aren't in the kingdom of God. Compassion for the lost. We need to be actively bringing his kingdom, but we also just need to join him and trust that he's going to empower us we aren't the light. Jesus is the light. And so when we step into dark places, we don't rely on our own ability to cast light into that spot. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely on Jesus to empower us, to give us the light that needs to be shown in that dark spot, to cast out demons, to heal every disease and affliction. kingdom of God, do you really want it to come? Do you want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Not just someday in the future, but right now. Do you recognize that the harvest is plentiful? And are you willing to join Jesus in that? Are you willing to become one of the active workers Reaping the harvest. I think this uh, kingdom, thy kingdom come series is the right, it, 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 there's, there's, there's an urgency to these messages right now. There's an urgency to this recognition of the harvest. Not that I am saying, suggesting, although some would, that, that Jesus is, you know, he's coming back in just you know another year or two or six months or, or five years. I, it's not that it's not that Jesus's return is like in this moment going to happen necessarily. Maybe it will. But I'm not saying that there's an urgency to this harvest or to this kingdom mindset because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. But I think there's an urgency because I think Jesus is calling us to be a part of it. He's calling us to be a part of it in a whole new way than we've ever experienced before. We have already seen over the last couple years, and this is what has precipitated, precipitated the changes that we've gone through, God is beginning to pour out his spirit in this church in new and wonderful ways. And it's just beginning. We've not experienced all that we're going to experience. There's more to come, more that's going to stretch us, more that's going to blow up maybe some of our theologies, more that's going to really rip us out of our comfort zones. God is just beginning So there's an urgency to understand what the kingdom of God is and when the kingdom of God is and to recognize that the harvest is plentiful and that we're called to be workers in reaping that harvest. It's urgent because God is calling this church, not the church, God is calling this church to rise up for such a time as this. God is calling this church to step in, to join him in building his kingdom and reaping that harvest. Time is short, not in eternal sense. Time is short in this harvest sense. Time is short in what Jesus is calling us into. We can't continue to kick the can down the road. It's time for us to rise. It's time for us to step in. It's time to follow Jesus into what he's calling us into. And he is calling us. This last summer, I had a strange thing happen to me. God showed up and he asked me this strange question. He said, Sean, what do you want? Now, I don't know, maybe God's asked you that before. Um, You know, I pray like most of you pray. I feel like I'm always asking God for something. You know, part of my prayers are always like, Lord, you know, empower me, give me strength, help me to hear from you, all these kind of things. And praying for our church and praying for different people that I know, my family, all this kind of stuff. And so it's kind of threw me off a little bit because it was different. God just shows up and he says, hey, Sean, what do you want? Ask me for anything. Immediately after he said that to me, he brought to mind 2 Kings 4, which is the story of Elisha and the widow. In this particular widow occasion, again, there's a famine, and she has one container of oil left. She goes to Elisha, or Elisha shows up, and she's like, I I got, this is it, I I got this oil, this container, and then we're done. We got got nothing left, we're we're just going to die. And so Elisha says, all right, go to all of your neighbors and gather up containers. And part of it, he says, don't just gather up a few. Gather up lots. (laughs) Of course, the rest of the story is she gathers up all of these containers, brings them, and out of the one container of oil that she has, she's able to fill up every container that she got. And then when the last container was full, the, the oil dried up. So God asked me, say, hey, what do you want, Sean? Ask me for something. And then he gives me this vision of like, don't just ask for something small. So this freaked me out a little bit. Maybe for you it wouldn't, because immediately in my mind, I start thinking of all these things I could ask for. I could ask for that. I could ask for that. I was just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Kind of like, almost like the genie in the lamp, right? He shows up, hey, ask for whatever you want. Like, oh, all right, here we go. But, but I found pretty quickly on, started to struggle with different pieces of this the first thing i struggled with was this reality that well actually god like i don't need anything i, I mean i'm good like i'm content like I, I i love my life you know i i love my church i love my family i mean we're blessed already like i don't, I don't need anything more from you I mean, I, that, I mean to ask you for more i mean you've already done so much like, I, I don't need it. <laughs> and the Lord revealed this, this poverty mindset in me. That I was content with just a little. Yet he stood before me that day and offered so much more. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want more. <laughs> what? I was struck with Paul, I don't remember the passage, Uh, I should have looked it up, sorry, give you the reference, but you probably remember the story how Paul had talked about how he had grown to be content with little and with much. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, hey, you've grown to be content with little, that's great, but can you be content with much? The next struggle that I had was uh, just, you know, kind of like, you know, when you ask, you know, I mean, imagine like somebody shows up and says, "Hey, uh, what do you want? What's your greatest desire? I mean, what do you want? Really want? I mean, that that can be hard, right? Because what's really in my heart? You know, what do I really want?" you know, what if I really just want, you know, something that's just really selfish, right? <laughs> I'm talking to God of the universe, right? He could do anything. And like, oh, hey, God, I'd like a, I'd like a yard that I'd never have to weed. Ah, that'd be cool, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, what am I going to ask for, right? What, what, what is my heart? What is my desire? What if it's something selfish? What if it's just something frivolous, I was amazed as I wrestled with the Lord with this that He revealed that, that He'd already been doing a lot of work to match my desires with His. The next struggle I had was with just, I mean, what if, what if it happens? You know, I started to imagine some of the things I would ask for and then, you know, kind of some big stuff, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's probably what I'd ask for. And we kind of starting to zero in on that. But I was like, well, wait a second, what if, what if he does that? What does that mean? I've got a very clear theology against name it and claim it, man. Uh, We've seen it in our world, right? There's people out there, you know, hey, you know, Pastor Sean wants a new jet. And God told him that we need to have a new jet so he can spend more time in Florida and, you know, getting that sunshine, right? You know, or whatever, right? You know, I mean, I've seen it. Like, we can just, oh, we just just need to name what we want and God will give it to us no matter what. And I've got a strong theology. So, God, what is, if I ask you for something and you actually do it, like, and it's some big thing, what do I do with that theology? Isn't it presumptuous to ask and believe that it's going to happen? But then I was struck with this reality that I didn't prompt this. God did. He was the one who came before me and stood before me and said, Sean, what do you want? The next struggle I had was the sacrifice. Now I was getting my mind around the things that I was going to what I was going to ask. And as I contemplated what I was asking, all of a sudden it just struck me that, oh my gosh, if he does that, my life's going to change. It's going to be different. And I realized that he wasn't asking so much for me to share what I wanted, but he was asking if I was willing to follow him into receiving what I wanted. The responsibility of the blessing was beyond what I felt like I could handle. finally there was a struggle with the fact that i'm a pastor and i knew that god wasn't just asking me and that what i responded with what i asked wouldn't just affect me it was going to affect this church and i don't know uh, how well you guys know me but you know i i don't mind taking risks in general in my life like do crazy things sometimes. (laughs) But it's one thing for me and maybe my family to have to take that risk, but it's another thing when I'm asking a whole church to take that risk with me. It was at this point in my processing of (laughs) Jesus' question to me, That I was reminded of Moses and the burning bush in Exodus 3 and 4. God showed up before Moses and said, hey, I want you to set my people free. And Moses came with all of these excuses. And I realized that I was, you know, going through that same kind of process. Like, yeah, but what about this God? Yeah, but what about this God? What about this God? And, And he just... Encouraged me over and over again. I'll be with you. So last, about August, I did ask God for something. And today's the day to reveal it to all of you. And it's a big something that will have ramifications for my life and for yours. <laughs> to start with, I asked the Lord for 50,000 souls. That this little church would have the privilege of joining Jesus and bringing 50,000 new people into the kingdom of God. in Reading and around the globe. The second ask, in some sense, is a little bit more challenging because of the way we view money in our day. But I also asked him for $50 million to help to accomplish this. And both of these things I asked him to do in five years or less. all of this is impossible for me or for our church to do it's not just a matter of okay let's you know gather our forces together all right let's put together our strategy and make it happen That's, it's not that let's dig a little bit deeper into your wallets we got 50 million we got to raise no it's impossible for us to do this but not for him. We don't have the strategy to make this happen. We don't have the strength to make this happen. We don't have enough bodies. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have a, a, the spirit. We don't, we don't have enough of the spirit to do it. We, don't, we, we can't do it on our own. The reality of this big ask, as some have called it, is that we are totally dependent on him making it happen but that doesn't mean we don't have a role to play in it. Because the way Jesus operates is he operates through his people. And he accomplishes great things through just normal people. But those normal people have to be willing to say yes. Like Moses, he is asking us to go and free his people. But the only way we can do it is if we rely on, trust in, and believe that Jesus will do it. And we have to be ready to follow as He leads. As your pastor, I take seriously my role as a conduit of His love his word, and his vision, and I do so with much fear and trembling. I am not worthy to be in this position as your pastor, and I am wholly inadequate and incapable for such a task. I don't have the gifts, the wisdom, or the strength to fulfill the pastoral duties that are required of me. I am an ordinary man, I'm an ordinary husband. I'm an ordinary father who's very content with my ordinary life. But the God whom we worship is extraordinary. And he who knows all my weaknesses and all of the evil I'm capable of committing also knows who he created me to be. And with that knowledge, it is his divine will that I be in this role for such a time as this, not to build my kingdom, but his. Let me me be clear. (laughs) I do not need this vision. It has not come out of an internal desire to be great. It has not... uh, It is not selfish ambition that has prompted a striving for greater impact. This was 100% prompted by God. I would never have asked him for these numbers unless he asked me to ask. While I have no problem believing God can use this church to reach those numbers, I do have a very real struggle believing that he would choose to do so while I'm the pastor. I seem to be such a poor choice for this task. I have no history of doing great things, and there's no reason to believe that I would be involved in any great things in the future. But I do believe that God has a history of doing great things in and through ordinary people like me and in and through ordinary churches like us. For reasons fully known by God alone, He has ordained that I not just be a conduit of his love, his word, and his vision, but that I also be his chosen instrument to lead this church in taking hold of the harvest God has set aside for us. He's chosen me, not because of my great faith, but because he's grown in me the faith needed to believe he will accomplish this vision. He's chosen me not because of my great boldness, but because he's developed in me a boldness to speak out his plans no matter how crazy they may sound. He's chosen me not because of my great courage, but because through the years he's forged in my soul the courage to risk it all in following him. But church, it's not all about me. Despite this church being small, a little disorganized, and struggling to stabilize after a couple years of transition, he's chosen chosen us to join him in reaping a bigger harvest. He's chosen this church not because we are the most evangelistic church in town, but because he has been growing in us a passion for the lost. He's chosen this church, not because we've got a well-oiled discipleship machine, but because he's developed in us a godly character ready to be passed on. He's chosen this church, not because we've got it all figured out, but because he's forged in us a firm commitment to follow him wherever he leads. Church, these are exciting times. The Lord has given us a vision of what he wants to do in and through us. But the question is, are we willing to accept his call? Jesus never forces his will on us. We always have a choice. Indeed, every day we get to choose, follow him or not. Like Moses, we're all standing before a burning bush. And God has just called us to go and help his people get free. What are your excuses for not going? Too old or too young? Too ordinary or too sinful? Too comfortable maybe with where you are? Aren't gifted enough? Maybe we're just not ready. Don't have time for that right now. But understand to every one of your reasons for why you are the wrong one for the task. Jesus says, I will be with you. Church, there is no better place than to be right beside Jesus. And there is no greater joy in all the world than to know that you are working with Jesus and that he is using you to build his kingdom. So church, will you join me in following Jesus into this vision? You don't have to decide today. The reality is it took me a couple of months to process this. And it may take some of you some time to process it as well. But understand, I, under, I, I have been there. I get the struggle. But I think this is part of this Kingdom of God sermon series. Is that hopefully over the next few weeks, we can kind of you know, work through this a little bit more. And understand more fully what God is calling us into. The next few weeks, we get to explore the ramifications of this call for us as a church. And I hope in the next few weeks, it's an opportunity for him to restore our commitment to his kingdom come, to reimagine our role in reaping his harvest, and to reevaluate the priorities of our everyday life. I don't know how we're going to do this. I have no plans. God has not given me any, like, you know, organizational details. He hasn't given me any, you know, amazing, you know, ideas. And trust me, I've been bugging him about it. Like, come on. I don't know how this is going to happen. But I know that he can do it. It doesn't make sense that he would pick me. It doesn't make sense he would pick our church. But that's what he does throughout scripture, throughout history. He's always done this over and over again. So I'd encourage you to process this. Some of you are on board right now. Praise the Lord for that. Some of you are going like, 50,000, that's nothing. We're going to blast that out of the wire. You're right. I think it's possible, very possible. I was encouraged by Joe Weiss at our last elder meeting who has been recently reading the Letters to the Churches by Francis Chan. And in there, there's a portion where he ha- highlights these different, like uh, about a, probably about a half dozen, maybe eight different times in history over the last like 20 years, where there's been much bigger outpourings of the Holy Spirit and reaping of the harvest by smaller communities than us. And so it's totally possible. So let's process this. Let's think about it. Let's ask Jesus about it. Are you ready? Would you be willing to ask Jesus for 50,000 souls. Yeah. I'm excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited about what he has already done. I'm freaked out because I don't know how he's going to do it. But we can be freaked out together. (laughs) And then we can celebrate together as he accomplishes his will as we choose to join him in building his kingdom. Okay, Laura, worship team, why don't you come on up? We're actually going to move into communion now. I think it's fitting for us to respond to this vision by worshiping Jesus through uh, observing communion together. It's at the table we are reminded of the sacrifice Jesus made in order to make a way for us to enter the kingdom of God. And so as we partake this morning, may we also consider the sacrifices he may be calling us to make in order to assist others entering the kingdom of God. But also communion is a family meal and it is right for us to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus together And as we do so today, let us consider how we can be more fully united as we join Jesus in fulfilling his vision. The reality is, is we need each other. If we're going to follow him into this, we need to do it together. And it's not just do it together with, you know, a few of us, but we need all of us to join and to do it together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I I don't understand your economy. <laughs> I don't know why you operate the way you do. Your thoughts are just they're higher than my thoughts. Your ways are way out of out of my zone. But I see throughout history, Lord, for whatever reason you've chose Now, well, let's just say you've made surprising choices. But then you've done miraculous things. And part of the reason you do miraculous things through people that people others wouldn't have picked is because you get the glory. Lord, thank you for allowing us To be a church that gets to see front row seats to see you get the glory (laughs) Lord we thank you for what you're going to do pray that you would help us to process this big ask (laughs) help us to process saying yes to you in the midst of it Help us to see your face. Help us to know what you're calling us to. And Lord, I pray that you would make this vision, make this call to every one of us individually and personally. Lord, we want your will to be done. And we're willing to follow you wherever you lead. So come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, you are a mighty and awesome and good, good Father. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your greatness, your power. Thank you for just uh, your deep, deep love for us. And Lord, thank you for the privilege of getting to join you in what you're doing in this world. Lord, uh, it's so far beyond our capability, what we feel like you're calling us to. Lord, uh, but, but you can do it. <laughs> And it's not about us, it's about you and your glory. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to come alongside you in that. Lord, help us to just not be worried about how we're gonna get there, instead just be worried about what you're calling us to do next. Lord, that we would say yes over and over and over again to the little baby steps that you lead before us. And that as we do that, we indeed would get to see you glorified. That we indeed would get to reap that harvest with you that we would be able to join you saving this world and bringing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Luke 4, 18 and 19. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Lord, may we join you in these proclamations and in these acts in bringing freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for uh, being here with us this morning. Thank you for exploring this with the Lord and allowing him to speak and reveal his truth for you excited to see what God's going to do with this. Again, I don't know how, but I know that he's moving, he's working, he's acting, he's having his way already, and may he continue to do so. If you'd like to continue to worship, we would love for you to continue to do so right here in this space. Keep the lights a little bit lower and keep the music going and give you an opportunity to continue to respond to the Lord in worship. Uh, If you'd like prayer, we would love to pray for you. If there's something you're going through, we would love for you to come forward and allow us to join you in that. If you're ready to head out into the fellowship hall and have some conversations with your fellow believers in Christ, then please do so as well. You can head out and let the door close behind you and have those conversations. I think as we step into this vision, if we indeed do so and all of us join in, then our conversations in the fellowship hall are gonna change. And perhaps that'll even start today. For his glory. All right, thanks church. Have a great Sunday.